Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey girl, hey, I'm Julie Bender. And we have to say something that has happened since the last time we recorded. Well, I don't know exactly when it happened, Julie, but (laughs) (laughs) she's pregnant. I'm like, I don't know how much detail you want. I don't want a lot. Thank you very much. She's having a baby. We are having a baby. So fun. Yeah, so fun. How do you feel? (laughs) It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, that's kind of... I have a gracious husband. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I may or may not be playing it up. Just between girls. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I do. I think you should just a little bit because you know what? You are the one that's going to have to birth this child. (laughs) So true. Yep. You know, we're heading into the Christmas season a little bit, and I think there's a lot of interesting facts around Christmas that are a little bit different than the normal ones that we would have. Well, and it's funny because I feel like the Christmas season starts earlier in post-COVID. Am I right? Like, that's the thing. People have just decided, we're not even going to try to wait for Christmas. We just, we do it on the, as soon as we're finished eating our candy on Halloween. I don't even think we wait that long. I mean, I start thinking about it in July. It's like, I just want to get to the end of this year and have all the celebrations and move on. So yeah, that's true. But there are plenty of traditions that we love and then some that we are going to struggle to believe people actually do. Like, for example, Apparently, in Japan, it's a tradition to eat KFC for Christmas. When was the last time you ate KFC? Oh, it's probably been years and years and years. How about you? I remember we ate KFC on a trip home from Disney with uh, friends of ours. We did a little couple's trip. And we were starving, and we were in the middle of, like, nowhere because my husband likes the back roads. And it was our only option. And I'm like, uh, well, this makes me feel like I'm going to get very sick. But, I mean, we're just going to go for it. It was a memory. <laughs> did you? Did you like it? I, it was fine. But I, I remember not feeling great after. Okay. The funny thing I read about when I read about this particular fun fact is that they actually sign up a couple of months in advance because they run out of Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan. Oh, you like got to get on the list you got to get, get on it. the wow. list. Wow, okay. Yeah, pretty crazy. That's commitment. Mm-hmm. I think this number might be kind of low. Apparently, one in three men wait until Christmas Eve to shop for presents. Oh, I think that's absolutely Does low. Dan do that? Um, no. Does well, he do the shopping? I feel like no. <laughs> um, shall I plead the fifth on his behalf? I'm not quite sure. Oh, no, he does. But it's like one special gift. And then if you get more than one, it's probably been figured out by someone else. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I remember the first year I was with Donnie and he waited until Christmas Eve to buy something. I was like, it wasn't just Paul. It's a man thing. (laughs) It is a man thing. And then I felt bad for being mean to Paul all those times. So I was like, okay, well, you know, the things you learn when you get a second husband. I don't know. All right. So have you done the ugly sweater thing, Julie? Um... That is a great question. I know that it's a thing and I've always wanted to do it and I know that I'm doing it this year. But now that you're saying that, I don't know that I've ever actually done it before. Well, do you know who claims to have started it? Do tell. Vancouver, Canada. I don't know if it's the entire city that goes, all of us together wore ugly sweaters. But I mean, Vancouver, Canada, they're going to wear sweaters for about eight months of the year. So why not have at least one (laughs) ugly one? (laughs) Have you ever done an ugly sweater? No. 
what's funny about it is now you can like purposely buy ones that are ugly and I think that that should be disqualified I think you should have to actually have an ugly one or make one ugly I totally like, agree go all with the way you. in that, that just seems like it seems wrong it seems like an artificial ugly so you know you got to have at least one in your closet that looks really bad exactly and according to a 2010 Facebook study the two weeks before Christmas is the most popular time for couples to break up Womp womp. What is that all about? I don't know. Maybe they don't want to buy presents. He doesn't. He wants to free up his time on Christmas Eve. I, <laughs> yeah, got big New Year's plans, so I better start now. Uh, I don't mean, know. That just seems wrong on every level. But so true. Yeah, I bet of some of our friends can attest that this is true, though. Yeah, probably. Does that ever can. happen to you? Um, no, I don't think so. Has it you? I don't think so, but. I don't know. It was for it's me. It was while. so distant ago. No, I, for me it was way <laughs> long ago. So Super I have distant. no idea. I think these are really funny. And in addition to that, Julie, I love Christmas. It is a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, family, food, gifts, decorating, all of the good Traditions. stuff. And what? Traditions. Traditions. It's just all fun. It's true. It is. But I know I've experienced, and you have too, a season where I was coming into it and I had lost someone I loved mm. and I was grieving and I was hurting and it made it really, really hard. For sure. If you're in a season of grief or in a hard time, or like Dar said, this might be the first year, or maybe it's been several years and it's just as hard to try to have the joy of the holidays mixed with the grief of your sorrow, that can be really difficult. So we brought a guest in that I think is going to be really, really helpful to all those who are grieving and us who need to be reminded of what it feels like so we can support them in the process. Our guest is Nancy Hicks. She's a speaker, teacher, podcaster, and author who works at the intersection of head, heart, and soul to help women live fully alive in their faith. For more than a decade, Nancy engaged millions of viewers as an on-air spokesperson for QVC. She understands what it's like to try and balance work, marriage, and motherhood. She's been featured on Hallmark's Home and Family, the Jesus Calling podcast, as well as in Publishers Weekly, The Christian Post, For Every Mom, and more. Nancy, we're really, really happy to have you with us to kind of answer some of the questions that people have about grief. So welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm grateful to be with both of you. Well, before we jump into your story, which of course we want to hear more about and even get more into talking about grief in the holidays, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more, Nancy. Tell us where you live and maybe one of your favorite holiday traditions. Okay, well, I live just outside of Philadelphia, so I'm in Pennsylvania, originally from Toronto. I'm a Canadian. Um, Yes, so the great white north and all that. (laughs) Um, And oh, okay, Christmas is absolutely my favorite time of year. And I am one of those people that goes all out for decorating. Mm -hmm. Um, And my favorite part of Christmas, uh, meal planning, food preparation, sitting around the table with friends and family. That is, that is my thing. I love it. Mm. Well, yeah. Nancy, I, I feel, well, I'm decorating. I'm not a big cook. So decorating, I'm in with you on that. But, you know, we brought you in, unfortunately, because you have some life experience that gives you a per- very unique perspective of grief right now. And I think for our listeners to understand a little bit, they probably need to hear a little bit of your story. Sure. It was two and a half years ago uh, May 2019, when um, when our older son David, age 26, 
was uh, coming home from China. So he was living in Shanghai for two and a half years. He spoke fluent Mandarin. He was working for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, doing research and and writing for them. And he came back to uh, to go to Harvard. He was doing a double major in graduate school in public policy and law. Mm. David, an incredible son. Both of my boys are amazing. Mm. <laughs> and since we're just talking about this story about David, David, um, you know, uh, brilliant for sure. Uh, did a triple major in undergrad, Goodness one year at, at Oxford. Oh yeah, you know, was published in Boston Globe and Washington Post. Um, ran homeless ministries when he was in high school. Uh, so, you know, truly the whole, we had always said to our boys, kings and janitors, you love and you're confident with and humble in the presence of kings and janitors mm. your whole life. Yeah. And he really embodied that. So he, while he was at graduate school at Harvard and he came back to do, uh, to have a career in um, either international trade law or, or uh, US-China relations, he was in uh, graduate school and this very healthy, mm. in every way, 26-year-old was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Uh, can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. The, as, as he said, Harvard did podcasts on him, the cancer bomb. Wow. He, those are his words. Mm. And um, so we were told by the oncologists that, oh my gosh, please, we have so many, you know, you're 26. We have so many things at our disposal. Yes, it's rare for a young man to be diagnosed with colon cancer, um, but we have so many options at our disposal. Um, clinical trials, alternative medicine, surgeries, you know, chemotherapy. We have so much at our disposal. I'll die, quote, I'll die before you do, David, the oh, oncologist no. said. And we're talking like leaders in the field, not, you know. Um, well, after two years of going through everything possible, and I, when I say everything, I'm talking about, yes, all of the scientific things and medical things that we could do in addition to alternative uh, uh, avenues, in addition to tons of prayer, thousands of people praying. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah. In uh, March of 2021, this year, my husband, because of COVID, you could only have one person with you at the hospital, you know, for your uh, your infusions or whatever. Um, they, he and David sat in a windowless room at University of Pennsylvania Hospital. And they were told, uh, David said, you know, things aren't working, like what's, uh, what's our plan B? and was told by the oncologist down here, he was going between two oncologists, one at Dana-Farber up in uh, Boston, because he was at school in Cambridge, and one uh, here in the Philadelphia area for the times he was here, especially during COVID. Um, and they were told in this windowless room that day at Pennsylvania Hospital, uh, David, there is no plan B. Mm -hmm. We have exhausted all of our uh, options, and we are so incredibly sorry, but it's hospice for you. How and you guys, yeah. let me tell you, my my son, 28 years old, on May 1st, 2021, I watched him breathe his last after watching cancer devour him, like literally devour his body. Mm -hmm. And that is where I am in my life. That was just, you know, six months ago, yeah. nothing. Yeah. 
in terms of the scope of grief and 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 uh, accepting loss like this and that's what christmas uh the backdrop of christmas in part the backdrop of christmas holds for me this year i mean i'm I'm not normally speechless, but I feel a little speechless because just thinking of how traumatic and exhausting that whole journey must have been and knowing that we are coming into what's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. And and as you said, a year, a time of year that you genuinely love to celebrate, I'm sure your family is still reeling from your loss. And so as we're going into this holiday season, I know there are plenty of other people listening who have experienced something on their own level that is like this and they're grieving and trying to figure out how to do both and so that's kind of what we want to talk about for our listeners today we are very much needing to face these issues right front you know full front full view let's do it let's get honest let's be real and let's get practical about this very very uh, timely and relevant uh, issue I'm glad you're talking about it, and I'm glad to be a part of the conversation. So I would imagine, and I know Julie's Julie's had her loss. I've had mine, and yes. there's there's a starting place. Where where do you start? Where do you look for help? Because you're going to need it. When I lost my father, Julie lost a husband, mm. and became a widow suddenly. And oh, then all of a sudden, we had to face a holiday and look around and go. I need somebody to help me out. Where do I go? How do I find it? Well, I, I think, um, you know, when, when I think about that question, in part, the answer is likely, hopefully, those people are already in your life. Right. Hopefully, you have already cultivated real relationships with at least a couple of people. Like I'm talking not, not, um, casual, uh, you know, very, I'm going to say shallow, um, weather talk relationships, right. um, but people that know you and that may scare the heck out of you, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying that that, that should be a sort of a baseline for your life, regardless of whether you're in a season of grief. So hopefully they're already right there. Um, And then if they're not, I think also what happens sometimes is people surprise you and there may be someone or two people who, who emerge when you're in a a crisis like this. And I can, I can attest to this with my, my next door neighbor who has heard me teach Bible periodically, she'll come. Um, But she stepped up like I just never, I mean, not that I didn't expect it from her. I just wasn't thinking that way. So that would be an example in my own life. But then, then um, I think, you know, obviously, uh, I'm going to say God, but that is very touchy for people mm-hmm. who do love God and follow God. Sometimes people say things like, um, I don't know how people would handle this without God. And there's a part of me that thinks, if not even says, depending on who the person is. Yeah, in a way, I think it would be easier if I didn't believe in God, a God who protected and trusted and could trust and love, because then this would all make sense to me more. I mean, it still makes sense in a way, but I'm, I feel betrayed. I feel angry. I feel unprotected. So, But I am going to say, nevertheless, God in whatever relational 
aspect you, you're in or able to, to navigate in this season. So um, then, of course, I'm also going to say, so I'm, I've listed three, I would say one more would be, you know, depending on the level of, of um, trauma and uh, grief that you're in, it could be very complex. And if that's the case, then professional help for sure. Mm -hmm, I see a grief counselor and I have been since my son died. Mm -hmm. And I see my husband, Pam and I strong leaders in the church since we were teenagers, love God, follow God. We have had trouble in our marriage during this season when Mm -hmm. David was getting really sick and since his passing. And we see a dynamic and phenomenal marriage counselor. So that may also be something that you need. Well, and I think, Nancy, sometimes people are fearful of entering those arenas, or they think my grief may not be as much as someone else's or Mm. different or you know, that, that maybe I don't need that kind of help because I'm different or they have more or I'm grieving more. And there's this comparison thing that I think can can play into it. But at the same time, that means what kind of help do I get? And should I be comparing myself with someone else's grief? And how, how do I handle that emotion that comes behind that? Mm, boy, so I think that's such a great question because uh, what I have noticed, and again, I know, I know, um, you know, my, the, the the people that I love to speak to um, are people who really have walked away from God or have um, have been burned by the church or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, I have such a heart for people who don't feel like they've got it all figured out. That's like my thing. To, to be in, you know. Oh, we're right there with you, Nancy. Are you? A hundred percent. One of the things that I have noticed often is that um, sometimes Christians are so judgmental with themselves. Yeah. Don't allow themselves. Now, you know, if you're doing it to yourself, you're turning it outward. Mm-hmm. Just a side note, but very related. With themselves, don't give the grace and mercy. With themselves, feel that they have to uh, manage their feelings instead of actually entering into what is genuinely true about what they are experiencing, which means, sure, you're going to hear about how other, you know, I have a free resource, what to say, what not to say if you're the one grieving, and another free resource, it's a download, what to say, what not to say um, if you're the one who is walking beside someone who's grieving. So yes, there are ways to kind of look, is this sort of, am I in the realm of of kind of normal, whatever Mm -hmm. normal is, Um, or am I, you know, on a higher end of the spectrum here? Who cares? Even if you are, mm-hmm. who the frick cares? <laughs> Nobody cares. People actually, there are people who care. And sometimes <laughs> we're, the, we're the ones who care the most, or we feel like people are judging our grief. True. Stop it. Stop. As my own grief counselor said, Ooh, Nancy, just feel what you feel. Someone asked me earlier on, are you angry, Nancy? I'm like, oh no, I'm not angry. That doesn't come close Mm -hmm. to the feeling I have right now. I have fury, fury at this situation. And then recently uh, through grief counseling, I came to understand based on some of the thoughts I was having, which I allowed to come to the fore so that I could be in tune with what I'm actually feeling and be like 
honest with myself and God, I realized that it's not just fury. Fury wasn't even cutting it anymore. It was rage. I have rage at what happened to my son. And I am violently rejecting the world that would let such a thing happen to my incredible son. That's the truth. So don't compare. My husband goes for runs and long swims. I felt like rubber for months. I couldn't even go for a regular walk, never mind a brisk five miles a day like I was used to doing. So I'm like, you do you right now as far as grief. I do me and we do come together as we as we do not um, judge each other in the way we are experiencing this very dark time in our lives. Well, I think you sort of touched on where we want to go next. And I, I think when we're going through something difficult and we're so worried about if we're doing it right or if other people think we're doing it right, we might want to try to check out from the whole situation and pretend mm. that it's not even happening. You know, uh, like not even quote, not even think about it at this time of year. Maybe I'm going to try to put my grief to the side and just mm. do the holiday thing. Oh, Does gosh. that work? No, yeah. no, no, no. No. And, and, and yes, in some ways, right? So we have to know how to handle these things. And my book, Meant to Live, um, Living in Light of the Good News, um, I have a quote that says, the extent to which you enter into your pain with God is the extent to which genuine life is released in you. They're equal in measure. And what do I mean by that? What I'm saying is that, you know, if you want genuine life, I'm not talking about fake life, like put on a happy face, get a great outfit. I'm all about those things. Sure. I like that, but that is not genuine life. It may be a sign of genuine life, but it is not in and of itself genuine life. And everybody can tell the difference between genuine life and I'm putting it on to dazzle you. So the extent to which we move towards Um, our pain, our sorrow, our backstory, if you will, or what's currently going on genuinely in our lives. And we move into that place with God facing death is what I call it. That is the extent equal. Think think of it as like a, a pendulum that swings. You enter into that with God, with honesty and sorrow and tears, um, with your body, with all that you are as you're able with God, that pendulum is going to release. You don't need to make it happen. It will happen. God will do that. That's what God does. He resurrects dead things. That genuine life is going to be released equal to the measure of that uh, pain that you enter into. So when it comes to the holidays now, you have to be honest with yourself. Have you done the work? Because grief is hard work. Yeah. Make the time for it. So you face the grief. If you are, you know, uh, in the beginning of the grief, um, for me, for example, I couldn't pray the way I had always prayed. For 20 years, I could sit in my prayer chair and just pray and then get up. I wouldn't even say amen and go about my day and practice the presence of God in prayer. Guess what? Couldn't even sit in the prayer chair. Mm. So entering into the grief with me in part was a lot of silence. And I'm a very high energy verbal person. 
<laughs> so a lot of silence. Entering into the grief was walking around my house uh, and expressing what was true that was emerging in my soul. For example, God, how could you? Yeah. How, how, how could you? And just weeping, God. Um, so, you know, I, I don't feel protected by you the way I once thought I was. Like, these are the things that are honest and entering into the grief with God so that genuine life will emerge. Does it mean that I'm not going to be able to decorate the tree? For some, it, it'll mean I can't decorate a tree this year. That was always something I did with that loved one. Maybe that's true for you. Yeah. Maybe it's true this year, but it won't be true in five years. That's okay. And I think just being present with where we are in our grief, on our grief path, um, and doing what makes sense. If I'm going to sit by the fire this Christmas, quietly, morning by morning, and just look at pictures of my son and of us, fine, I'm going to do that. Does it mean that I'll have the energy to get up later on in the day and go for walks in the snow <laughs> or uh, go cut down a tree? Uh, yeah, actually, I feel that energy. I feel like, yes, I do want to decorate the house. It's not going to be bright like it would be in years past, but it will be warm and it will be uh, um, lit up in a way that makes sense and is congruent with where I am in my soul. Mm. You know Nancy, what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely, Nancy. And I know I, I lost my father to suicide. Oh, gosh. And I had to reckon with my emotions. I had to yes. feel everything that I yes. felt. I had to be angry with him. Yes. I had to be furious with the situation that got him to that place. I had to be sad because he would never meet my children. I had oh. to have them all. But that's yes. just it. I think when you're grieving, what you talked about is you've got to allow yourself all of the real emotions that go along with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I have to say, I you know, there are a number of great books on on the subject matter of pain and sorrow and loss. And um, Philip Yancey is one. I mean, twenty year old book, Disappointment with God. And I was I was reading that just this morning, and I just love him. We are so bad at facing mortality. Um, and so one of the ways that we mitigate any of that pain or we deny is that we actually will leave our bodies very disconnected. Like dualism is totally happening a lot in North America. We will let a trickle come down our, you know, our faces when we suffer like this. Um, or we'll weep, but we can barely engage our bodies in the whole experience. Now, maybe that's not your experience, Julie, for example, or, or, or Darlene, but I'm, I watch people and I think, I think we do it in worship and I think we do it in, in our sorrow. So, um, so for me, like getting on the floor and weeping, cause I'm a very demonstrative person. How weird would it be? And very passionate. How bizarre would it be if I didn't like, I didn't feel like I wanted to rip my clothes. I haven't actually ripped my clothes, but I have pulled at my clothes. I have beat the, the ground. I have, I have punched pillows. I took a book the other day and just came out of me and I just bang, 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 like with my body and this book on a table. I'm not trying to destroy or hurt people or destroy things, but 
there have to be places where we can get this out of our bodies and our bodies can be congruent with what's going on in our souls so that we're not lying to ourselves in one way or the other. God wants wholeness in our beings. And I think we don't always know what we actually feel or think because we're lying in one way or the other. Um, and often we're lying by our, in our very bodies and our embodiment. We don't know how to express it in a congruent way that, that is honest and real. And so we're really confused about how we actually feel or what we actually think, or is that just regurgitation? But I actually don't mean that or think that. I actually feel this and think this. I think we suck at that by and large. Well, and I think that's a good reminder for somebody to hear that, you know, I, I need to let myself be that honest in my feelings, my emotions, my actions, my body. Um, here's one that yes. people say all the time and mm. um, I think deserves some unpacking, especially from somebody who's in it. Sure. We always say that it will take time or time mm. will heal. What's your reaction or thoughts about that sentiment? I have a 90-year-old neighbor whom I love. She's like a second mom to me. And she has, uh, she and her husband, Bob, um, have been very dear to us for a number of years. And they lost a daughter a number of years ago. And Janet says to me so often, she's 90 and she repeats herself <laughs> um, a lot. And I adore her. But um, And so if she's listening to this podcast, Janet, I love you. And frankly, the fact that she's repeated this has been helpful. But she says, um, the sorrow will, the, you know, the grief, the sorrow will never go away, but it will soften. Mm -hmm. It will soften. And I think that's her way of saying the very, what can often be um, a little trite, time heals all wounds. Bunk. Mm -hmm. Time does not heal all wounds. But I do think there is something about a softening that happens. And that can happen, I think, in a way that brings about healing. So when you are turning away from truth, you are turning away from God, who is truth. I actually believed, I never would have said it, that God kind of owed me a good life. That I had, I had grew up in a family where my father was abusive and left when I was a little girl. I think there was something in me and I told the line and I have devoted my life to God. I would never have said this, but here's what's actually true, Nancy, is you thought you had already paid your dues. That will never emerge. And sometimes it takes time for that stuff to come out. So I think if we do that work, in time, um, we will see softening, we will see more mercy and compassion and grace towards one yourself and others. And I think in, in time, uh, I think that honesty and the, uh, the honesty will just really become rich, rich, fertile soil. I love that you're talking about being honest with God. It's always kind of preposterous to me that he knows everything, so he knows what you're thinking, even if you don't want to say it out loud. And I realized at some point in my grief process that even when I was pounding on God's chest in fury, he was holding me in his arms. And he was okay that I was doing that. He didn't have a problem with it at all. He knew everything I was feeling, everything I was thinking, 
and he knew that I needed to have all of those emotions and act out in that way. And he was fine with it, Nancy. He was fine with it. I think we need to embrace that. I don't think we need to walk away from that reality. I think you're right. I really, in fact, I know you're right. I think getting it out of our souls, um, and again, for some people, they've had so many, so much trauma. Oh, some of the stories I heard of people, like I was like, God, how are they ever, ever, ever going to see or experience or know of a living, loving God when they've had nothing but sorrow and rejection and poverty and, and abuse in their lives? Like, how is that possible? You know, um, I, I, Philip Yancey, getting back to that book he mentioned, it sounds like I'm promoting Philip Yancey's mm-hmm. book. I just, <laughs> I just, I just really, I just am grateful for the, for the people who've discipled me, um, and through their through their writing or whatever they're doing um and you know he he, if you look at the book of job he mentions in his book uh disappointment with god if you look at the book of job you know job's friends the the ones who were so very pious they're like how dare you say these things you can't say these things job job what have you done what have you done of course you've done something to bring this on as was of course i'm telling you um this isn't yancy but yancy would know this Mm -hmm. um i have a master's in theology and i know that the whole hebrew uh worldview the old testament worldview was very much if you look at the scriptures very much you follow the precepts and laws and ways of the Lord and life will go well with you. And we have in some way integrated that into our lives in the New Testament as well. The book of Job turns that on its ear and so does Jesus, but still we have it kind of there. Um, and, you know, Yancey says, yeah, you know, the friends of Job, those were the ones that God said, okay, this is not what God said, but I'm going to go ahead and say, idiot, idiot. <laughs> idiots like shut up (laughs) shut up already no 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 nay 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 job well done he's the one that kept going i haven't and he's the one that cried out to god yes god did come around chapter 37 and for three chapters or more say job where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth and held back the, the waves sure that's true but in the end job god did not affirm the friends who were so very pious in their in their uh, denial of the the uh, the the deep grief that Job was expressing. God did not endorse that. God endorsed Job and his honest wrestling and struggling with God. Thank you, Philippiancy, for pointing these things mm-hmm. out for people like me. Um, and that I need to hear that right now in my season of grief. I need to, and in that way, going back to one of your earlier questions, I guess it is a bit of a comparison. I do need a little bit of help with people who've done it before mm-hmm. and who have been, especially when it comes to Job, commended by God and um, also uh, had God be very uh, forthright with them very forthright. Job, you don't know what you're asking and saying right now. You don't know, my love. You don't know, but I am right here. Like that's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. I think this whole conversation has been powerful. Nancy, I really appreciate your honesty and your willingness to, you know, go into 
a real picture of what your experience has been like and is currently like. And I think that will give us a good mindset as we come into the holidays. I know you mentioned a couple of resources that you have. I am going to ask you to give us those resources on what to say and what not to say if you're the one grieving or you love someone who's grieving, because I think that's one question we would have loved to talk more about. But we'll put those resources from you in our show notes, because I know I want to be prepared to love people well who are struggling this season. And then the truth is, is I don't know what's going to happen in my life tomorrow. And so I want to be prepared to grieve well, if and when, you know, that season finds me again. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I know our listeners after this conversation are going to want to tap into those, Nancy, because your passion, your realness, your heart is absolutely evident. And I really hope your holidays will be precious, even in this difficult time. So we want to thank you for everything you brought to us and sharing your very difficult experience in a real way. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And I, and I honor both of you and what you have suffered as well. And anyone who's listening, I just feel very um, honored to have been able to share with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. Julie, there's a verse that comes to mind in Romans, the 12th chapter, the 15th verse, and it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I think, especially during this holiday season, that's important for us to do both, to be able to celebrate and find the joy in this amazing life. And at the same time, those who are mourning, walk alongside them and hurt with them and help them in any way that we can. Absolutely. And I want to just kind of reiterate some of the things that Nancy shared with us as we as we leave this time and go into the actual holiday season, keeping the idea that there will be those that we love who are grieving this season. We'll remember to encourage those that we love to get help in their season of grief and to be a help to those who might be struggling. We'll remember that no two grief journeys are alike and there's no value in comparing them. We'll remember that there's no value in avoiding or trying to separate ourselves from the fact that we're in a season of grief, facing it and feeling it, knowing that feeling it is the only way to really move through it. And to remember that, yes, time will be part of the healing, but I like how Nancy said, it won't necessarily heal it, but it will absolutely help to soften it. I hope you've appreciated listening to this episode as much as we have, and we absolutely wish you a very happy holiday season. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.